Lord? You ready to get into some word today? Yes. Hallelujah. Man, the Spirit of God's here. And, you know, do you guys know what today is? It's Pentecost. That's right. It's Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. You know, you know that really changed everything for the church. It really did. It changed everything. And uh, I think the disciples, they may have had sort of an idea what was going to happen at the day of Pentecost, but I think once it showed up, they were taken back. They were like, whoa, this is something a little different than we were thinking. This is amazing. And uh, everything changed when the Spirit of God showed up. And, uh, and I want to get into some things regarding the Holy Spirit and what He's doing in the earth today and how He operates in our lives. Um, I remember... <clears throat> Uh, I, I've been at Life Church for, I think, almost 13 years, coming up on 13 years now. And if you know anything about the church, if you've been here a while, you'll know that it's very much a spirit church. It's a spirit-filled church, spirit-led church. And so that means the Spirit of God has the ability to go any direction He wants to go. And we are, we are flowing with Him. He's at the helm, and we are, we are just following His lead. And uh, I before coming to Life Church, I was going to a different church here in the valley. I won't say which one. And uh, I was back then. I was a young adult and uh, outgrown those days uh, for a while now. Uh, but I was a young adult back then. And I was part of this young adults uh, ministry at this church, and we did this small group study on the Book of Acts, which is awesome, right? The Book of Acts is one of my favorites. It's it's so rich with. Uh, what actually some church, early church history, but also just some moves of God and how the church was birthed and how the church cooperated with the Holy Spirit. And so we're like probably five or six weeks into this Bible study, and we're, we're about halfway through the book. And, it don't, and at this time, I didn't really know a whole lot. This was way before Bible college. Like, I didn't know much scripture at the time. Um, but I did have this relationship with the Lord and an encounter with the Holy Ghost that changed me forever before this. And I knew what the Holy Spirit had done in me when, when I got filled with the Spirit and how radically I had, it had changed me. And, uh, and so we're reading along this book, and I, it dawns on me as we're doing this study about five weeks in, we haven't even talked about the Holy Spirit. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, maybe you don't, that's okay, like, he's the main character of the book. Like, I think he's mentioned, like, over 60 times in the book of Acts. And, uh, he, and again, he's, the main, he, he's probably the, one of the main characters of this, right? And we haven't even talked about him. And it just made me think, like, and is, this, is this normal Christianity that we're just going to not even talk about the Holy Spirit? And so I was pretty new at the time, and, and I, I wasn't contributing a whole lot to the group. I was kind of just sitting back and, you know, soaking it all in. And so I asked the pastor uh, one day, I said, I said, why haven't we talked about the Holy Spirit? Like, he's all over in this book. And he goes, he goes well, the Holy Spirit's just kind of someone who does things behind the scenes, and, and you really don't have to know anything about what he's doing. He just does what he does, and, and our job is just to focus on Jesus. And kind of like, I could, at the time, I didn't know enough scripture to be able to be like, well, that's wrong because blah, 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 blah. But I had on the inside of me the spirit that is like, I felt grieved by that. I almost felt like, oh, something's wrong there. That's God. 
the Holy Spirit is one-third of the Godhead, and we're just going to relegate him to, yeah, he's behind the scenes, and we don't really need to focus on him. It's like, he's God. And, and again, I don't think he has much of an ego, so he doesn't need to be like for, forefront or anything like that. And he always points to Jesus, and those things are all true, but at the same time, the only part of the Godhead that's here today working in our lives is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that if uh, it's better for us that if he goes to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit than for him to be here in the flesh. And, and I think most Christians today uh, have such a lack of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, what he does in our lives, how he operates, to where we question whether Jesus was actually telling the truth. I think Jesus maybe would be better if you were here. It's like, well, you probably don't fully understand the benefits and the relationship you're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit because, trust me, it is better. It is better to be filled with the Holy Ghost than have Jesus standing next to you walking around the earth today. That's a big statement, and Jesus made that statement. It is radical, but it is true. So many Christians walk around independent of the Holy Spirit's action, his involvement. Maybe he is to a degree, but not the way he intended and not the way Jesus said he would be because of a lack of understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. And what we like to do when we don't understand things is basically just revert to carnality. We revert to our old ways. And uh, Zechariah, you probably have heard this scripture before, Zechariah 4, 6, uh, the Lord says this here, he says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Meaning this, that what the Lord's wanting to do in our lives isn't going to come through human effort and human ability, it's going to come by his spirit. His spirit is going to be what produces the things of God in our life. And the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives every day, getting things to come to pass, reminding us of Scripture. There's so many things that He's doing. And when we have just absolutely no idea what's going on or how that works, it's a really big hindrance to what He's wanting to do. His ministry in our life, we really hinder by just having, we're being oblivious to it, by having no understanding or a lack of revelation. And human effort is the man's substitute for the things of the Spirit. And if you would look around the, the earth today and you'd see the church as a whole, I would say that that's kind of the condition of the church is we've put, a, put forth a lot of our own effort and said we're going to make this happen rather than trusting in and cooperating with the power of the Holy Ghost to produce the God results that he said would happen, that we see in the book of Acts, that Jesus talked about would happen, where we would do miracles, we would do signs and wonders, where not only that, we would see the love of God amongst brethren, right? That, we, that would be the witness to the earth. That comes by the Spirit of God being indwelling in the believer, and that Spirit being a Spirit of power and love, producing those things in our life. And so that's what we need. We need to go away from just doing everything according to the flesh, according to our own carnality, and being filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, 
for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. It's the spirit in which you must, uh, by him, by which you must even gain revelation of anything from the Lord. You can't understand the things of God unless the Holy Spirit's involved. Revelation comes by only one person. That's the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, this teacher is so amazing. That teacher is anointed by the Holy Spirit to reveal the word to you, to give you revelation. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot discern things of the Spirit. That's essentially what that scripture is saying. And Jesus said this, my words are spirit and they are life. Why do you think so much of Christianity has a debate on the things that Jesus taught it's because they do it with their own head knowledge, their own ability, their own intellect, rather than the Spirit of God looking to Him to get revelation regarding what Jesus actually said. That's how revelation comes. You know, um, Christianity has now, uh, as, as, a, as a kind of in a general sense, at least in the West, it's become more of an intellectual type of religion where we have great arguments and we, you know, this is, this is obviously premier and we know all this backwards and forwards, but we don't, we have great arguments, but we can't back them up with power. And God never designed the church to be an intellectual entity. He designed it to be a, a, a body that produced the same results that his son Jesus produced. And those results that he produced, everyone knew him in his day, not by his amazing arguments and his intellect, but by the power that he walked in. And he walked in that power because he had the Spirit of God dwelling in him and on him, and that's how he produced it. You know, it, Paul prophesied about end times, and one thing he said is that men, uh, this is 2 Timothy 3, 5, that men in the last days would uh, have a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. Think about the way most church is, the most religion is. It's a form of godliness. It's a, it's a, a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's a form of be holy, be righteous, and also have all these characteristics that the Holy Ghost produces, love, joy, peace, right? But there's no power to actually do it. And I think that Paul saw the future church and said, oh, it's going to, in these last days, uh, this is going to be kind of the condition of religion in our day. It's going to have a whole lot of good arguments, but it's going to be denying the power. And so what we need to go back to is what Jesus talked about as the church being the church of power and the gates of hell wouldn't prevail against us. And that doesn't happen because we have a good argument. That happens because we're empowered by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling on the inside of us, that power coming out of us to move literal mountains, to move situations, to cause miracles, to produce healing, to change the world around you to where, you know what, your argument might not even be as good as so-and-so's down the street, but you know what, you have power. That means what... You can, actually, you can actually back up what you preach and what you say. Amen. And that's what the Spirit of God is designed to do. It's designed to work with the Word of God. Amen? So the Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is not an it. 
You, you ever hear anybody refer to the Holy Spirit as it? Oh, I feel it. Like, <laughs> he is not an it. He is a person. And sometimes when you call a person an it, it can be offensive. <laughs> he's got thick skin, so he's not offended, but you can grieve the Holy Spirit. And in a world where everyone's mixing up pronouns and confused, let's not get the Holy Spirit's pronouns wrong. He is a he. Amen? He is a real person. He has real characteristics, meaning there are things about him that are described that are very human-like characteristics. He also has emotions. I mentioned earlier, you can grieve the Holy, Holy Spirit. He is a person. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get filled with God. You're not just filled with a force, like the force, any Star Wars fans. I got the force today. It's like Jesus, Jesus said it'd be better for me to have the force. It's not the force. It's not, he's not some energy. He's not some concept like karma or something. He is a real person, someone who we really are designed to communicate with on a regular basis where he's working in us and we're looking to him, we're talking to him, and he wants to do real miracles and manifestations in our life, but it does require first knowing he exists as a real person and then us then now knowing we have access to him and then he works by invitation. He is a gentleman as well. You know, there's, there's a few different ways where the scripture starts describing the Holy Spirit at, in, in kind of terms of symbolism regarding elements, like wind. You know, you guys remember the day of Pentecost, and he uh, came down in the upper room, and he said it came in as the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It says that um, fire, right, came, and he rested on them with tongues of flame. Like a, a, and so there's this imagery of the Spirit of God being like fire. There's the imagery of uh, when you're filled with the Spirit, you'll have uh, rivers of living water flowing from your belly. So you see water also being one of the elements described as the Holy Ghost. These, these things are given to us so that we would have a very tangible understanding of who we're working with. That he is, he is a, a, a real person, and I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever been in a windstorm where you felt the power of that wind, and it's for a second you're like, whoa, am I going to be able to, am I getting blown away here? Because certain strong enough winds and you're gone, right? That's, that's happened to people. I don't know if you've ever been in a river where the current's so strong that it just takes you away. And there's, the, there's kind of an awe that you get in that kind of presence of power. You ever see like an ocean with some big old waves and you get stuck in those waves? Anybody ever get stuck in some waves where you're in the wash cycle? You don't know which way's up for a while and it's like, uh-oh, I under underestimated this. That's not a fun place to be, but it also gives you a respect for the power of that element. And there is an element of the Holy Spirit that is pure, raw power. He is called the spirit of power. Remember in Timothy, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. So he is a spirit that is power personified. He is power, the power of God. And, uh, you know, he's talked about as the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
He's the one that produced the power to raise the one who had all of the sin burying the Son of God, all of the weight of all of the disease and all of the, all of the things that have been brought on this earth that are the curse, all on Jesus. And he reached down into hell and ripped up and brought up Jesus from the dead, forever holy and forever right and forever perfect. He's the one that produced all that power, and that spirit is the same spirit that lives in me, that lives in you, and he wants to do those same types of things in our life. But if we don't know he's a spirit of power and we just think, oh, well, I don't feel any power, it doesn't really matter what you feel because feeling has nothing to do with the walk with God that we're called to walk. We walk by faith, which means we tap into things because God said it, not because we feel it. So the spirit of God is in us producing the power of God. And he is a spirit of raw power, that anything that you come in contact with that would be in defiance to the will of God, you would have the power to overcome, you would have the power to change, not by might, not by your power, but by the spirit that lives in you, you'll have the ability to overcome these things. And at the same time, the spirit that's raw power that is, you could almost say, ferocious in his abilities, he's also the same spirit that's the spirit of love. And he produces this, the, the fruit of the Spirit in the believer's life. When you get filled with the Spirit, you start producing things like love, joy, peace, patience. We could list all of the nine that are there. And those things are produced in us not because we all of a sudden decided to say, okay, I'm going to start walking in love. It's produced in us by the Spirit of God. Here's a scripture that says the, 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 the love of God is uh, spread apart in our, in our hearts uh, by the Holy Spirit. He is the one that produces the love of God in our life. So yet on one hand, powerful, mighty being, the most powerful being that ever walked the earth, that ever was here. I mean, you think about all the... Uh, superhero movies and the Marvel movies and they're all rated on how much power they have and none of them come close to the Holy Ghost. None of them even come close to that much power, yet at the same time, he's given to us as a comforter. He's also the one who when we need something, when we, when we have lost, maybe we've lost a loved one, maybe that we're in the middle of a disparaging circumstance, he's also there to be a comforting spirit, to be able to bring us back to a place of refreshing and a place of restoration. He is the most interesting spirit, right? He is the most interesting. He is everything that we need. He has been given to us for us to fulfill what God has put us here to do. He is amazing. He's like, he's kind of like the secret sauce that it makes everything work. And he's really not that big of a secret because it's, he's all over in here. But yet so many people have very little understanding. Without the Spirit, you can try to control your tongue all you want, but the power to do that won't be there. You'll be doing that in your own might and own your own power, but it works by the Spirit. In the, if you don't operate according to being filled with the Spirit, you're going to try to produce miracles or try to have faith for your circumstance to change, or you're going to try to pray for the sick, and it's going to be like, 
I got my jumper cables hooked up, but there's no source. And it's like the source of all these things, the power that produces everything that we need is the Holy Spirit. And without him, we're missing out on everything that we're supposed to experience in this life. You can't walk the walk that you're called to walk. You can't fulfill the calling of God on your life without the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You need to be infused with divine power. You need to be infused with divine love and ability that you can't get anywhere else. You can't mentally assent to getting it. You have to just receive him and learn to work with him and cooperate with the Holy Ghost and you'll start seeing real tangible changes, not only in your life, it'll come right from the inside of you and come out and you'll start seeing it in the world. You'll start seeing it in situations. Your friends will notice. When the power of God is working in someone, it's, it produces real tangible results. That power doesn't exist except the Holy Spirit be inside of the believer. Amen? So uh, the Holy Spirit's des described this way. He's, he's, yet, he's both powerful yet gentle. He's, bo he's both um, a spirit that has the ability to move mountains, yet he's, the, he's as gentle as a dove and talked about as, as being a dove, which is symbolic of gentle, peaceful, loving. And so he is both of those things at the exact same time. And that's what we need. We need his ministry in our, in our life. The same spirit that works the gifts of the spirit, right? The gifts of the spirit where you see miracles, where you see gifts of healings and prophecy and the power of God manifesting. He's the same spirit that will comfort you. He's the same spirit that will teach you. He's called our teacher. He's called our guide. It's like, well, I don't know where, where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do. That job to give you that direction is the Holy Spirit's job. If you don't know to go to him, you're going to start looking outside for all these signs and, Lord, show me this, and hopefully you can send me a person to tell me something. It's like, no, I've given you my spirit, and he is your guide, and those who are led by the spirit are the sons of God. That's how he is really our source and our go-to for everything that we need. And without an acknowledgement of him and without awareness of how, he's, how his ministry works in our life, we're going to live far short of what God intended. Uh, when these elements that, we, that I was talking about, this, the wind and the fire and the water, when you experience those naturally, it has a profound effect on you. You're like, I remember what that was like. Same thing with the Holy Ghost. When you have, a, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it has an even greater profound effect on you. It moves you, the, the, the connection there, the impact of the Holy Ghost. It's a, it's a moment of movement that is greater than anything you're going to experience naturally. And that's why he's given these types of symbolism in Scripture. To the point where... Um, when you get filled with the Spirit, it's so profound that it's like, whoa, I didn't know that kind of power existed. Or you could say, and people have experienced this, I didn't know that kind of love existed. And it's a profound thing. It's not just a, oh, I got a goosebump today at church and 
I guess that was the Holy Spirit. Wow, that was great. It's like, no, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it radically changes people. Peter went from a guy who was scared to talk about Jesus to a little girl, denied Jesus three times to a little girl, and then within a matter of a few weeks, he's out in the middle of the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah at the risk of his own head, doing it, and 3,000 people get saved. The difference there was before the baptism of the Spirit, before being filled with the Spirit, and then after the Spirit. Scared to a little girl to even mention, I'm no Jesus, to now, Jesus is the only way. You can't go to heaven. You can't know God except any other way. You have to know Jesus. What changed, Peter? I got a radical encounter with the Holy Ghost. He filled me, and when he filled me, I got all of his power. I got his boldness. When the Holy Spirit becomes into a believer and fills a believer up, the Holy Spirit doesn't become like the person. The person becomes like the Holy Spirit. And his characteristics become our characteristics, full of power, full of love, full of joy. And the main characteristic that he's described with, it's part of his name, holy. We're, we, it produces holiness in us. It produces this ability in us to, to do what's pleasing unto the Father. And so many people live without the, the working of the Holy Spirit and miss out and are trying to produce these things in their own life. Do you guys remember uh, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? If you don't know who that is, that's okay. I'll briefly talk about him. He was an evil dude. He did some sorcery that basically impressed and, and astonished a lot of people in his, in his region there, and uh, doesn't really give you a whole lot of detail as to how he was doing it, but probably something demonic, or maybe he was using drugs or something. We don't really know, which sorcery and drugs are actually pretty tied together in scripture. Um, but he's doing these things that's really impressive to people. Well, all of a sudden, people in his region start getting saved, and in Acts chapter 8, they start getting saved, and they start receiving the gospel, and they say yes to Jesus, and Paul's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to go down there, and we're going to get these believers filled with the Spirit now. Like, these believers, they've received Jesus, they've received salvation, let's go get them filled with the Spirit. That's what they need next. We need, that's, that's the order. You get, filled, you get Jesus on the inside of you, then you get Spirit of God filled on the inside of you. And so he goes down there, and we pick up in verse, uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 11. It says, And they heeded him, that's Simon, because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Between verse 8, 11 and verse uh, 8, 18, this is where the apostles come down and get the, uh, the, the believers filled with the Spirit. In verse 18, it picks up, it says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that any, anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Simon the sorcerer, not saved, no indication that he's a Christian, sees the baptism of the Spirit and the giving of the Holy Spirit and sees that and says, okay, what I'm doing is less than what the apostles are doing. Whatever experience they're able to give to these people, 
I need to up my game and I need that same thing. Again, he's a carnal person. Can I, just ponder with me. What did he see? He's not spiritual. What did he see? What did he witness? He witnessed the Spirit of God. The same Acts 2 where the Spirit of God fell, where, where there was power, where there was real change, where people were really moved and people had a, a real encounter with the Holy Ghost. He saw that and said, I need to... I need to add that to my repertoire. I need to start getting people filled with the Spirit because that's a, that's a cool experience and that's even greater than the sorcery that I'm doing. I think sometimes we just think differently than how it really happened where I was like, oh, they probably just were like, oh, here you go, here you go, here you go, and then there, nothing really happened. Like, No, when they got filled with the Spirit, it was so profound. It was such a mighty move of the Spirit that the carnal people around them are like, that's awesome. That's cool. I want to be able to do that. And so this is something that when we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we should have that same sort of like expectation. All of a sudden, man, the Spirit of God's going to move and it's going to be powerful. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit is not just going to be someone who's like, all right, here's your certificate. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to radically change you from the inside out. He's going to radically cause things that were the old you to be replaced by the new you. The things of God will come alive to you. The word of God comes alive to the one who's filled with the spirit. The, the spirit of God will produce in you a hunger for the things of God. He will produce in you the ability to, to see people in a new light where it's like, that person needs a touch from God. And instead of saying, God, where are you? You say, God is now in me, and I'm the one that he's going to use as his vessel to bring that touch to them. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus designed the church to grow. He designed the church to function in, its, in his power. He is the one that literally is the secret sauce to making everything work. And, you know, Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to do what he did. Did he really? He did really say, of myself I can do nothing. You remember that? Those are his words. It's not, oh, how dare you slam Jesus. No, he said those things. And he didn't produce any miracles until he was baptized. And then the guess who came upon him at his baptism? The Holy Spirit ascended on him like a dove. He needed that empowerment and even he quoted scriptures, the Holy Spirit is upon me to, pre to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim the good, good news. He said, I can do this because the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, isn't it, kind of, isn't it kind of just even just slightly naive to think we don't need that? <laughs> if Jesus himself needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, don't we also need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? When Jesus said, go into all the world, he's talking to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven, go into all the world, preach the gospel, preach to every creature, make disciples, lay hands on the sick, uh, cast out demons, all these things that he said to do, and the disciples had seen all these things for three years, and were like, yeah, let's go, we're gonna do this. But wait, before you go do any of that, 
you need to first be filled with the Spirit and go wait in Jerusalem. Not many days from now, the Holy Spirit will come. You need Him to do the great commission that I've called you to do. And so, not only did the disciples who were there saw it all firsthand, who had experienced miracles by their own hands while Jesus was uh, doing His ministry, they also needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit as well. So if that's the case, can we just agree that I, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I need to constantly, throughout all of my days, every single day, I need to be filled with the Spirit. And being filled with the Spirit is a, it, there's an initial filling that takes place. And you'll see that in Scripture when the disciples uh, the disciples in Acts chapter 8, it says when they get filled with the Spirit, they begin to speak in tongues. And then you see it again, uh, Acts chapter 2, the very first time the Holy Spirit fell, uh, they all began to speak in tongues. And then in Acts 19, um, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but you guys can look these up if you have questions on these things. Acts 19 uh, there's a certain region where people are getting saved and people are repenting. It says that they're uh, disciples. And then they're asked, hey, do you guys, do you, have you guys been filled with the Spirit yet? And they say, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. And so what do they do? They send apostles down there to go get these guys that are believers, called disciples, filled with the Holy Ghost so that they can now do the things that they're supposed to do. This was a big enough thing that it's like, oh, you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit? We're going to go walk for days to get to you so we can put our hands on you and get you filled with the Spirit. And so this is a subsequent event that happens after salvation. Salvation's premier. It's number one. If you're not saved, you can't get filled with the Spirit. This is the same type of thing for those who know where Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. The old wineskins is the old spirit that's dead. You need to be born again, have a brand new spirit that's like God to be able to contain the new wine. The new wine is the filling of the Holy Ghost. So many Christians get their new wineskin and then live empty. It's like the reason you're a new wineskin is so that you can contain the Holy Ghost. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit with power and you can walk out the power of God in your life and you can fulfill everything God has called you to do. Amen? So in, in, a, in a moment, I'm going to give, I'm gonna give two, two invitations. Um, the first one is for those who, maybe you don't know this reference, but you've never, you've never become a new wineskin, meaning uh, you are still dead in your sins which is, was the, the way all of us started out, right? We were all born into sin. We all had sin on the inside of us. That produced death, and we needed to be changed. What was that change that took place? It was called salvation. It happens by receiving what Jesus did for you on the cross. So that's going to be the first call. And then the second invitation is going to be for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is for believers who already know that they're a believer, and you have not been filled with the Spirit yet with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which again, tongues is a heavenly language. I didn't, didn't really get into a whole lot of teaching. I could spend weeks and weeks and weeks. In fact, there's a Life Bible College class that's like 18 weeks long, 
uh, that covers all of these things. But when you get filled with the Spirit initially, you're going to get a heavenly language where the Spirit of God will speak through you in an unknown tongue. Paul said this, he says, I speak with tongues more than you all. And he said that when you speak with an unknown tongue, you speak mysteries to God, which means what's going on in your head is unfruitful, is another, another scripture that says the mind is unfruitful, which means you're speaking from, a, from the spirit a language that is foreign to your own mind. And so you're going to begin to speak with power. You're going to be able to be, speak but as the Spirit gives you utterance, which is what Acts 2.4 says, that the Spirit gave them the words to say. And as you speak these things out, it's literally the rivers of living water will flow from you, is what Jesus said. This is producing the very power that the Spirit of God is now doing when he comes and he resides and he fills you up. You know, baptism, there's a, there's a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew 6 that says, that we should not be um, ignorant of the basic uh, doctrines. One of the basic doctrines that it lists is the, doctrines of, the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Most Christians are aware of water baptism, but they're unaware of multiple baptisms, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which means you're fully immersed into the, into the Holy Ghost. You're fully immersed into God, and he's fully filled you up. And so that's going to be my second call, my second invitation. I'm going to lay hands on you after you come up on that one. And you're going to have an Acts chapter 8 experience where you are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost to the point where you're going to say, that was life-changing, where someone carnal is going to see it and say, I want what you got. I want that. I, I, need, I need that kind of power. And so that's going to be my second invitation. So, so we'll start off with the first one. This is for those who would say, you know, I don't know if I've ever said yes to the Lord. That's kind of just a basic first start. You could also say it this way. I don't know if I've ever received the forgiveness that Jesus paid when he, when he bore my sin on the cross. I don't know if I've ever been forgiven. I don't know if my sins have ever been washed away. I don't know if I've ever experienced the freedom of my salvation. I don't know if I've ever uh, would even say that I could go to heaven. You know, when you, when you get to heaven, when you stand before the gates, you're either with sin or without sin. And you can't bring your sin into heaven with you. If you've done things that are wrong, it disqualifies you. If you brought sin into heaven, it's going to make it not heaven anymore. It's going to taint it. The only way you get through those gates is if you are perfect, without spot, absolutely righteous, absolutely holy. That's the only way you get there. The only way you become that, for us who have all sinned, who have all blown it, is to receive the forgiveness of our sins, the washing of our sins. And that only happens through the, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the cross and the redemptive work that he did. It only happens through Christ. There is no other way. Jesus said this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. There is no one who gets to the Father except through me. The reason he can say that and the reason that's true, because no one else took your sin. No one else paid for the punishment of your sin. It's either you suffer the punishment of your sin or you receive Jesus' punishment for your sin. 
And that's the only way you get in. It's the only way to the Father. And guess what? When you receive that, you receive a brand new spirit. Jesus called this being born again. He says you must be born again to receive the kingdom of God. Your old spirit is dead. You get a brand new spirit made in the image of God. It has the same DNA as God. It's the new wineskin that's able to hold and able to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it's, it's going to change your life forever. It's going to change the course of your eternity forever. When you receive Jesus and the love that he gave you on the cross, it is, it, it's a free gift. It sounds too good to be true, but the reality is he loved you so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe on him would be saved, never perishing. Come on, the Lord loves you so much. He went through such pain and anguish and separation and literal hell so that he could have you. And so if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to have you slip up your hand all across the room. Not yet. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. I'll clap my hands. Just shoot your hand up long enough for me to see it. And, uh, and I'll count you out. After that, we're going we're gonna to do the, call, the invitation for the baptism of the Spirit. Once that happens, I'm going to have everybody that has raised their hand to come forward. It's going to be nice and full up here. We're going to have everybody pray. And you're going to be forever changed. Your life is never going to be the same. You're going to be on a course now that's towards God, that's with God, that's walking in the blessings of God. And after you get saved, you can just stick around and get filled with the Spirit. You won't even know what a day without being filled with the Spirit's like after, you, after you're saved. And that is the best way to live, trust me. You do not want to live a powerless Christian life. Amen? So if that's you, and, I, and, and you recognize that the Spirit of God's kind of dealing with you, because this is one of the things that the Spirit does, is He tugs on the unbeliever. He tugs on those who are lost and says, come back. I, need, I want you. Then in just a, just a second, lift up your hand. Anyone who'd say, you know, if I died, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know where my eternity is. I don't know where my destiny is, but I want it to be with God. You lift up your hand. Anyone who say, I've never just said, Jesus, you are Lord. That means you are the boss of my life. It requires saying, Jesus is Lord to be saved. It requires him being at the head of your, of, of your life. It requires him being behind the wheel, so to speak. If you've never done that, just slip off your hand. You'll, you'll get saved today as well. Or if you'd say, say it this way, I don't know if I've ever experienced that born-again experience. Maybe you were religious. Maybe you've prayed before. Maybe you've been baptized, but you've never had a born-again experience where you could point to a specific time and say, I received the Lord here. Then today's your day, and you can get saved today as well. Amen? Are you ready? Do you know what you're doing when I clap my hands? On the count of three, here we go. If that's you, just raise them up, and then just long enough for me to see, and then you just put them back down. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise them up if that's you. Hallelujah. Awesome. Right back here. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hallelujah. I think I see one. How many know the Lord says that even when one repents, all of heaven rejoices? Come on. Come on. Praise the Lord. Now, now we'll do this. This is for believers uh, who have not been filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. 
you recognize that your walk with the Lord has been a little bit more difficult than it should have been because you've been living without the power of the filling of the Holy Spirit. You've had a, a real experience with God as far as salvation, but you've never experienced an Acts 8, an Acts 2 moment where you were in, endued with power is what Jesus said would happen. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost himself, spoken tongues, forever changed, walking in power, walking in the love of God that he has for you. If that's you, then on the count of three, just shoot up your hand as well, and, uh, and then we'll come and we'll, we'll, we'll lay hands on those that raise their hands, and you'll walk out of here full of the life of God. Are you ready? Here we go. On the count of three, shoot them up if that's you. One, two, three. Raise your hand if you're getting filled today. Awesome. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Hallelujah. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. I think I see about 15 hands or so. There's more back there. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Let's do this. Let's all stand up. Now, if you raised your hand for any one of those, I want to invite you to come down. And uh, you can grab your stuff. Just uh, This is kind of how we're going to end the service today. So you're going to come down. You're going to get filled with the Spirit. Those who raise their hand for salvation, you're going to get saved today. Come on. Awesome. We're going to do this. We're going to pray uh, the prayer of salvation first. Uh, the one... Who, who's my salvation guy? Who's, who raised their hand for salvation? Right here? It's good to meet you. It's good to meet you. Awesome. We're going to do this. This whole prayer is just for you. But I want you to know it's just you and God in this room. Shut everyone else out. This isn't a formula. It's just you being real with the Lord. So everybody, let's close our eyes. Let's pray this after me. Everybody pray this after me. Say, Dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sin, to be my substitute. I believe in Jesus. He was raised from the dead and that he's my savior. I confess that Jesus is my Lord. From this day forward, I follow after you. Thank you for washing me clean now. I receive your forgiveness. I'm never going to be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to pray um, and have these guys repeat after me. After that, after the prayer is over, I'm going to go down and lay hands on, on you guys who are getting filled with the Spirit. And, and Pastor Wade, you're welcome to help. Pastor Mickey, oh, he's, he's doing something right now. Uh, you guys are going to have hands laid on you, and you guys are going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At that time, after I get done praying, um, you guys will be dismissed. A uh, couple, couple things for you before you're dismissed. One, if you need healing in your bodies, the healing teams will be over here on this side. Come get prayed for before you go. Also, all these people who are getting filled with the Spirit are now going to have the power of God in them, working in them to get you healed as well. Maybe we'll send them over there. 
And two, if you're new with us, we're so glad that you came. Uh, we have that gift for you waiting for you in the lobby. Don't forget to grab that on your way out. So uh, with, with that being said, let's pray. Again, Jesus said this, anyone who asks the Father for the Holy Spirit will receive. There's no if, ands, or buts. He made the, he made the comparison that if, you're, if you're, a son asks his father for a piece of bread, would he give him a stone? If he asked him for a fish, would he give him a snake? How much more does your Father in heaven love you, willing to give you the Holy Spirit to him who asks? And so it's a without question, when you ask, you're going to receive. And so just believe you're going to get filled from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. Your spirit, your soul is getting completely immersed in and filled with the Holy Spirit today. Amen? So pray this after me. Everybody can help us out here. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your spirit so that I can be filled with you. I can be filled with power. Jesus said that if I asked you for the Holy Spirit, you would give him to me. So I'm asking right now in the name of Jesus to be filled with your spirit, to be flooded with the power that comes from your spirit. Thank you now for filling my mouth filling my soul and changing me forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Begin to start speaking. The rest of